love has been my theme and shall be till I die. Well, I got to thinking about that on what I'm preaching on tonight. And as we turn over to the book of Joshua, get your Bibles to Joshua chapter 14. We're going to start in verse 6. And that song just led right into the sermon, Brother Tori. Caleb, a life of faithfulness. Caleb, a life of faithfulness. Redeeming love has been my theme. Tie that together. And will be till I die. You know, Jesus is preaching and teaching and he's performing miracles and feeding people and Boy, I mean, when the free food's handed out and the miracles are being performed, people are coming, boy, by the droves, thousands of them, literally thousands. And then he sits down and he begins to teach on what it means to be a true disciple of Christ. When the miracles are not there and the food runs out, they all start to leave. Price of discipleship is a high price, folks. The one godly man said, salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you everything. Jesus said in Luke 9, 23, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me daily. You see, salvation isn't just a, a dash in the pan or a flash in the pan, should I say. It's not a one-time experience, folks. It's not just a one-hit wonder. As a matter of fact, John wrote, they went out from us because they were not of us. If they were of us, they would have continued with us, he said. But they went out from us that it might be manifest they were not of us. Many preachers in the day and age of judgment are going to say, Lord, didn't we preach in your name? Didn't we do many miracles in your name? Didn't we do many wonders in your name? And Jesus is going to say, Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You workers of iniquity. I never knew you. That'll be the most dreadful words to any human being's ears. I never knew you. Paul went on to say they got a form of godliness, but deny that dynamic power within the then dwell in presence of the Holy Spirit with their lifestyles. Folks, we read in the Scriptures, it says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I'm telling you, folks, when God starts a work and regenerates a heart and a person gets saved, you're going to be found faithful. I'm not saying you can't backslide. I'm not saying you can't make mistakes and you'll never reach a point like some false teachers teach of sinless perfection, but I'm telling you like the life of Caleb, the child of God's going to be found faithful. Now you try to pull a Jonah if you want, but you know how the story goes, don't you? I mean, he got a free four day, three night, three nights, three days, Mediterranean cruise, all expenses paid by God the Father. You can't get away from God, folks, if you're truly saved. You can run, but you can't hide. I believe there's a sin unto death. I believe there's discipline for the believer. In the book of Hebrews, the Bible says, if you 
uh, God does not discipline you, you're not a child of God. Folks, when my kids was little, I tell you what, when I went in a restaurant, I went in the mall, and them jokers got to acting up, all I had to do was look at them as their daddy. They knew they was going to get their butts tore up as soon as I got home. People would say, oh, your kids are so well behaved. How do you do it? I said, well, I'll tear their butts up if they misbehave. And people would look at me like, he's going to jail. I'm reporting him. But I didn't go around trying to correct other people's kids, folks. I wanted to, but I didn't do it. I'm telling you, when you're saved by the grace of God, you're going to be found faithful. Redeeming love will be your theme until the day I die. And even if you get depressed and discouraged in a valley, God will still lift you out of it. He'll still keep on working with you. I tell you what, I've never seen a dissatisfied customer when it comes to being saved by the grace of God and washed by the blood of the Lamb. As a matter of fact, we're going to get on the life of Caleb here in uh, chapter 14, starting in verse 6. But you think about all the different brothers and sisters in Christ, the children of God throughout the Bible. I mean, Samson, as he got a little older, he blew every Nazarite vow he, he promised to God, man. Wine, women, and songs. He got his eyes gouged out. They made mock, mocked his God and made fun of him and danced around him in circles. And yet still God in his grace and mercy goes to Samson in that one last plea for strength still in God's grace, answers his prayers and gives him strength one more time to defeat the Philistines. 3,000, I think it was, killed, wiped out. More than he had killed in his lifetime. And then you think of David. David's on the balcony. What time when kings go to war, he's lusting after Bathsheba. He, he gets a little comfortable as he gets older and down the line in his walk with God, he commits adultery, has Joab put the uh, uh, Uriah the Hittite, Bathsheba's husband on the front line. He tells them to withdraw the troops and let him be a sitting duck so they can kill him. And the sword of judgment never leaves his house after he falls into sin and commits adultery. The child dies. His daughter's raped. One son kills the other son. I tell you what, life was nothing but misery after he fell into ungodliness and immorality. You think of Moses, disobeying God, put on Mount Nebo, finishes out casting a wishful eye to the promised land, but yet God's still there for him, still speaking to him, still dealing with him. But you think of men like the Apostle Paul, steadfast all the way through. I mean, whether he was on a sinking ship or being stoned or being tortured, 39 lashes five times, Left for dead, that brother got up and got up and got up and got up. Arnold Schwarzenegger wasn't the first one to say, I'm back. I'm telling you, the Apostle Paul kept on getting up. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. And he never, ever faltered or veered or detoured. He kept on getting up for the glory of God. You think about Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit of God after the day of Pentecost, after his denial of Jesus. As we covered this morning, willing to go and be crucified upside down and die for the glory of God. 
You think about John. He was the only apostle that wasn't martyred. He lived to be the oldest and died on the island of Patmos, penning the book of Revelation, penned the book of John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and the book of Revelation, steadfast, never faltered. And I say all this to get to Caleb. He started out as a young man, coming out of Egypt, going into the wilderness. Here we are. He's about to receive his inheritance at 85 years old, and he was steadfast, rock solid, all the way to the end. And I say all that to say this tonight. This is a lesson of faithfulness, a man of God who was faithful all the way to the end. Redeeming love was his theme, and it was until the day he died. And I want to ask you a question during this revival. What's your theme tonight? How long are you going to last? Some of you come here tonight, you may be ready to throw in the towel and quit right now. So discouraged, depressed, things going on in this world are bombarding us. Folks, at light speed, the ungodliness, the wickedness. Oh, we, how we would love to pray to see a house full of God. People hungry and thirsty for God. Jesus said, Blessed is he who hungers and thirsts for righteousness, for he shall be filled. How we would love to see a prayer meeting like in that upper room when they got to John Mark's mother's house, Mary, and they began to pray because Peter was in prison and they prayed and prayed and prayed. And an angel of God shows up and tells Peter, Hey, you better get your britches on, boy. We're getting out of this place. This place stinks. God done heard their prayers. You're getting out of here. God's not finished with you yet. There's still work for you to be done. Get your britches on. The chains fell off. The doors opened. They walked right out. Nobody even touched them or dared to move because they were praying. There wasn't but a small group of folks in that upper room praying at that house. Peter shows up. It was easier for Peter to get out of jail than to get in a Baptist prayer meeting. They thought they done saw a ghost. But I want to tell you, those folks was praying. They grabbed a hold of the altars of God and began to pray and pray and pray and pray. And they were still believing God, still trusting God. And guys, I want to tell you here tonight, it may not have to be many. It may not have to be but just a few that if God would take this group right here like Caleb and you set your heart, you're going to be faithful all the way to the end and keep on encouraging one another and come together and pray. I mean, really get a hold of the altar of God and pray for revival and plan for survival and get ready for the king's arrival. Jesus will show up and begin to do the supernatural works of God in your midst. Caleb was faithful all the way to the end. From a youth to an old man, 85 years old. Now, I know what some of you are saying. Brother Martin, I'm 85. I ain't too old. I'm 86. That's not too old. I'm 90. The question is really not your age, but the question is, are you going to be faithful like Caleb until the end? Let's read a few scriptures together, starting in verse 6. Then the sons of Judah draw near to Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know the word which the Lord spoke to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me and Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought word back to him as it was in my heart. 
Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt with fear. But I followed the Lord my God fully. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot is trodden will be an inheritance to you and you to your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God fully. That keeps on propping up. You have followed the Lord my God fully. Now behold, the Lord has let me live, just as he spoke these 45 years from that time that the Lord spoke the word to Moses when Israel walked in the wilderness. And now behold, I am 85 years old today. Still following the Lord fully at 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as I was in the day of Moses sent me. As my strength was then, so my strength is now for war and for going out and coming in. Now then, give me this hill country about which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day that the Anakim were there and great fortified cities. Perhaps the Lord will be with me and I will drive them out just as the Lord has spoken. So Joshua blessed him and gave him Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, for an inheritance. Therefore Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and the Kenizzite until this day, because he followed the Lord God of Israel fully. Now the name of Hebron was formerly Kiriath Arba, for Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim. Then the land had rest from war. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we praise you and thank you for the time of worship. Thank you, Lord, that redeeming love will be our theme until the day we die. Lord, we're not in this just for, Lord God, a short period of time. We're in this for the long run. Lord, we love you and we thank you and we praise you for your word. Speak to our hearts tonight. Let us leave here encouraged, revived, refreshed, and renewed in the presence of God. And we'll thank you and praise you for all that you do, Lord. Lord, I pray you fill me with your Holy Spirit. You use me for your glory. And we'll thank you. In the name of Jesus Christ, our great God and Savior, we pray. Amen. Now, the question's been asked, how do you want to finish? You know, there's an old saying in golf, folks. It's not how you drive, it's how you arrive. You can hit that good drive, and boy, if you're like me, you're horrible in golf. But every now and then, you get one of them great, great drives. And you're like, oh, man, I got this, I got this. I'm the man, now I'm going to give me a good drive, I got this, I'm going to get all the way down there and I'm going to sink this thing. I'm going to make a par birdie on this hole. And then you get to hitting down that green, and then when you get to chipping and putting, next thing you know, you're one, two, three bogeys under what you were supposed to get it. Folks, it's not how you drive in golf, it's how you arrive. You could hit the prettiest drive in the world, but if you mess up along the way, it looks horrible at the end. Well, I want to share with you tonight a life of faithfulness. We all get saved. We get real excited, boy. We want to charge hell with a water pistol. We on fire for God. And then that temptation sets in as we get older, like some of the characters or brothers and sisters in Christ in the Bible we describe. They tend to let their guard down. They tend to get lax. They can tend to lose their first love. And they just sit on the premises instead of serving God faithfully all the way to the end. Well, Caleb wasn't like this. He didn't wait for somebody else to jump in there and get him some. He just jumped in there and got him some. 
He didn't wait for somebody else to encourage him. He encouraged himself in the Lord, and he stayed steadfast regardless of what everybody else around him was doing or not doing. One of the quickest ways to get into depression and discouragement, folks, is to pay attention to what everybody else is doing. But one of the quickest ways to stay encouraged in the Lord is to keep your eyes on Jesus. This is how Caleb lived his life. I hear people say sometimes when I'm preaching, they go out the back door, boy, I wish my husband would have been there. Boy, I wish my wife would have been there. Boy, I wish one of my kids would have been there. They back said, hey, what did you get out of it this morning? What did you get out of it? What are you going to get out of it tonight? We can't control who's going to come in and out, but I'll tell you what we can control. Who's, if we're going to come and sit and be hungry for the Lord. Caleb didn't let all these extracurricular activity around him bog him down. He knew, number one, a surrendered life. That was the announcement, his own announcement. In verse 8, he says, Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt with fear. Listen to what Caleb said. Number one, there was his announcement, his own announcement, the only correct uh, evaluation of himself that could be done was not necessarily from everybody else, but what he could say about his own walk with God. He says, nevertheless, in verse 8, my brethren went up with me, made the heart of these people melt. Look what he says, but I followed the Lord my God fully. Listen to me, church. This wasn't a conceited, self-centered servant full of his self. This was with a clear conscience. He could say, I have been fully surrendered and serving God. I want to ask you a question. We want revival. Could you say that of yourself tonight like Caleb said? I've been sold out. I've been fully surrendered. I mean with an honest heart. And if you can't, you need revival. This is why we have revival services. For God to bring us to the end of ourselves so that we become fully, wholehearted, surrendered, submissive, submissive children of God. Have you been giving God your best or you've been giving God the leftovers? We say we want revival. Have you been having a quiet time with God? Have you been spending time in God's word? Have you been witnessing and ministering to people, praying for God to give you a love for the lost and to fill you with his boldness? Have you been coming together and encouraging one another as the church of the living God? Also more as you see the day approaching, encouraging one another in your walk with God. Caleb, there was his announcement of his own life. He says, I have fully served the Lord. Can you say that here tonight? That was an old army general before modern-day technology. He told a high political leader of his country, he said, These days all a soldier needs to do is to know how to march and shoot. The political dignitary looked at him and he said, General, you're missing out something very important. He said, With all the modern-day warfare, he said, There's much more than a soldier needs to do than march and shoot. He said, well, what is that, the general said, offended by the politician and the dignitary. He said, a good soldier needs to know how to do more than march and shoot. A good soldier needs to learn how to obey his commanding officer. You see, you put a gun in a man's hand and all he knows how to do is professionally march and shoot. And he might shoot up everything inside if he's not obedient 
to the commanding officer. And folks, I want to tell you what we need to do like Caleb is say we have fully surrendered and served God regardless of what everybody's doing else around us because we want to obey the master and do it his way. Our flesh becomes crucified. Christ becomes glorified because we're walking in obedience to the master. Why do you think Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives within me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's the exchange life. My life for the life of Christ. I no longer have ownership of my life. My desire is to obey Jesus and Jesus alone regardless of what everybody else is doing. This was Caleb's attitude. He was fully surrendered to the Lord. That was his announcement, but then that wasn't only Caleb's announcement of his own walk with God. There was the agreement of Moses. Now I want you to think about this for a second as we look in verse 9. Moses said, surely the land on which your feet has trodden will be an inheritance to you and your children forever. But he says, because you have fully, you have followed the Lord my God fully. It's one thing for you to say you surrendered and fully serving God, but I want to tell you, do the people closest to you can say, hey, I know that brother. I know that sister. Like Moses said of Caleb, they're fully surrendered to God. Not only did Caleb make this announcement about himself, Moses made this announcement about Caleb. He watched Caleb grow up. He watched Caleb fully surrender to God. Can your brothers and sisters in Christ look at your life and say, that brother, that sister's here, they committed, they're sold out, they're fully surrendered to Jesus. Well, I ain't worried what nobody thinks or says. Well, you should be. Because if someone looks at your life and makes a correct assessment of it, then you should be willing to humble yourself and get right with God and become fully surrendered to God. Folks, I want to tell you something. I've been pastoring 25 years, and when God saved me, he put a song in my heart. I have decided to follow Jesus. Though none go with me, I'm still going to follow. The world behind me, the cross before me, my cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I'm not waiting for a bandwagon. I'm not waiting for all kind of praise and adoration from folks. I'm telling you, if nobody else wants to come to church and praise the Lord, I'm going to praise the Lord. If nobody's got a testimony, I'm going to get God to give me a testimony. Somebody got saved. Somebody got healed. Somebody got reconciled. I saw God move, and I don't know what you came to do tonight, but I came to testify. He's alive. He's alive and doing well. He's faithful. He's a great comforter. He's my strength. He's my all in all. And if nobody else wants to praise him, I don't care. I'm not letting the rocks cry out in my place. I'm going to praise God, serve God, keep my eyes on Jesus, no matter what everybody else wants to do. This was Caleb's attitude in life. This is what he said about himself. I have fully served the Lord. Moses, why is this so important to get a recommendation? Hey, if I was going on a job looking for a church, I'd love to put on my resume, one of my references was Moses. <laughs> Who's going to argue with that? And Moses writes in the footnote, I've been watching him. 
He's fully surrendered and committed to the Lordship of God Almighty. You better grab a hold of him before somebody else gets him. Boy, what a recommendation. This is the type of recommendation that Moses gave Caleb. And I want you to think about this. One godly writer said about Moses' recommendation of Caleb that he was fully surrendered to the Lord. He said these words. <clears throat> Moses' life reveals that he was one of the best trained believers of his generation. Academically, militarily, spiritually, 40 years underneath the discipline of God, he knew how to discern the nature of reality. How special this is for Moses to say of Caleb, it is one thing to claim to be surrendered, but quite another for others to say about what Moses said about Caleb. He was fully surrendered to God. Boy, that's important, folks, that people see our walkie-walkie matches our talkie-talkie. One godly evangelist said, if your walkie-walkie don't match your talkie-talkie, don't talkie-talkie about your walkie-walkie because nobody wants to hear your talkie-talkie about your walkie-walkie when your walkie-walkie don't match your talkie-talkie. People can spot a hypocrite from a mile away. But somebody who's the real deal that's on fire for God, serving God, reading God's Word, trusting God, standing on His promises... I tell you what, people can spot the reality of somebody who surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus. And if Moses gives him a recommendation, that's a high recommendation, don't you think? I've been watching Caleb. He's fully surrendered to God. We want revival. Ask yourself this one question. Can you say that of yourself? I'm fully surrendered to God. Can your brothers and sisters in Christ look at you and say, hey, that sister and that brother ain't messing around. I'm telling you, they are fully surrendered to God. They love prayer meeting. They love Bible study. They're not just hearers of the word. They're doers. They're givers. They love people. They share the word of God. They're soul winners. They are fully sold out for the glory of God. But then there was a step further than this, and it's very important to understand this issue. There was the affirmation of God himself about Caleb's life. And I'll tell you why that's so important. The Bible says that God himself in Numbers chapter 14, verse 23 and 24 says, those who put me to the test these 10 times and have not listened to my voice will not see the land I swore to their fathers. But listen to what God himself said. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully will see the promised land. It's one thing for you to be confident that you are fully surrendered to God. It's a whole other thing to have someone godly and trustworthy to say that you are fully committed to God. But folks, it's a whole other avenue for God himself to say, my child is fully surrendered to me. Why is that important? Because folks can lie and you can deceive yourself. We talked about those preachers in the day of judgment when Jesus is going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. Oh, wait, Lord, didn't we preach in your name? And did you see all the people following us and we had miracles going on? And Jesus says, yep, and you were totally deceived. Depart from me, I never knew you. He didn't give them affirmation where they commended themselves and bragged on themselves and exalted themselves. The only thing that ended at the end of the day was what Jesus thought about them. Not what the people following them thought. 
Ron Dunn, that great man of God. Some of you have heard of him. Some of you may have heard him preach. A great, great man of God. God used him in miraculous ways. He traveled the entire country preaching revivals and Bible conferences. He said, why is it we're so quick to label everybody anointed? Oh, them singers were anointed. Oh, Brother Marty was anointed. Oh, this brother or sister was anointed. All because someone can preach a good message or has a beautiful voice. He said, we use that word anointed too loosely in the day and age we live in. And here was why he said it. He said, I've traveled the world with some of those same singers and preachers they keep calling anointed. And when they got out of those pulpits in those conferences, they were living like the devil in the week. That's not anointed, folks. That's folks who learn how to sing and learn how to preach. You want to see if a man's anointed, you follow him around and watch how he treats his wife and how he treats people, what he's watching on TV and what he's doing behind the scenes if you really want to know if he's anointed. A man fully surrendered to God is going to be able to say it himself, I am surrendered and committed to the Lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ. Even Paul said, I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him until that day. I know whom I have believed in, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him until that day. He not only said it about himself, the members of the church have said it, they acknowledge him with apostolic power and authority, but God himself on that road to Damascus struck him down, made him blind. You're going to go into the city, and a man named Annas is going to pray for you. The scales are going to be removed, and God says, I'm going to make you a preacher to the Gentiles by the grace and glory of God. And God commends and uses Paul all along the way. Folks, it makes a difference when God himself looks down and says, that child or that child or that child or that child is fully surrendered to the Lord Jesus, my son. And I want to ask you, if you really want truth of revival, can God look down and say that about you tonight? You're fully surrendered and committed to the Lordship of Christ. I'm not asking you if you're saved. You can be saved and not really fully committed. You can be saved and just glad you're saved and sitting on a pew till Jesus comes back. Folks, the church always needs help in all different areas of the ministry. Your pastor needs help. The deacons need help. The youth need help. There's help in places all the way the scriptures. Do you want to be like Caleb, fully engaged in the work of God and all the way till you're 85 years old? Folks, we don't retire in the ministry. I got news for you. You don't find retirement from Genesis to Revelation. Someone asked Billy Graham, it was on Larry King Live, I believe. Well, Billy, everybody keeps asking, when are you going to retire? When's your retirement up? When are you going to retire? He said, I've read from Genesis to Revelation. I've never seen a person retire because of age and the Word of God. He says, as long as my mind's still there, as long as I'm able to speak and I can remember the Scriptures and read the Scriptures, I'm going to preach until the day I die. And he done it. If you remember some of the last clips of him preaching, he looked like so frail. He looked like the picture of death. And they would help him up there and put him behind that pulpit. And he preached and lived for the glory of God until the day he died. With no sexual skirmishes. There was no dirt they could dig up on Billy Graham, folks. He wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination. And he would have told you that. 
But there was no scandals, no sexual immorality, no pornography, no ungodliness that they could find. The man lived a life like Caleb and was faithful all the way to the end. How do you want to end your life on this earth? Do you want to be found faithful and obey God and be fully surrendered until the day of judgment and Christ be able to say, well done, thy good and faithful servant, without going astray, without backsliding, without compromising with the world and the things of this world? And then Caleb not only knew a surrender life, he knew a spared life. Caleb was spared from discouragement. We see that in verse 8. Nevertheless, my brethren, who went up with me, made the hearts of the people melt with fear. But I followed the Lord my God fully. Caleb knew a spared life. He was spared, number one, from discouragement. How did he do it? He got his eyes off of people, and he kept them on God. Folks, I see a lot of pastors falling. I see people dropping out of the ministry and saying they don't believe in God no more, supporting homosexuality and wickedness and the LGBT and preachers are even allowing them to come in churches and sing in the choir and all of it. I see all kind of ungodliness and wickedness going on in the church of the living God and the pastors are leading the show, some of them, not all of them. I'm not here to throw preachers underneath the bus. I'm a preacher. Brother Marvin's a preacher. But I'm here to tell you, folks, if I would keep my eyes on all of that garbage and keep looking at what they're doing, I'll miss out on what God's trying to do in my life. I got to pray by the grace and glory of God, like Caleb, that God will fill me with his Holy Spirit and keep me committed all the way to the end that I can cross the finish line with my torch lit and held high. And when I get across that finish line, I can say I made it, I made it, I made it. By the grace of God, I made it. By the power of God, I made it. By the word of God, I made it. And by the grace of God, I'm going to keep on and keep on keeping on until Jesus comes back by the grace and glory of God. Kept by the power of God, Peter said. I believe in all of this, the, the division and strife that's going on. It's like a cancer, folks, when it gets into a church. They were all whining about the giants. They were all looking at the problems, and Caleb was looking at the prescription. We can look at the problems of the world, or we can look at the prescription. The son of the living God, the gospel, the word of God is the answer. And we can keep encouraging the Lord when we keep our eyes and our focus not on people, but on God Almighty. I believe when these brethren went up and made the heart of the people melt with fear, I think I got a sneaky suspicion what Caleb done. He got an old Baptist hymn. And he opened it up. And they were sitting there giving a thousand and one reasons why they couldn't go in and do what God promised them already. God already promised them the battle was already won, folks. They just wasn't believing God. They wasn't trusting God. And when they got to yakking and being negative and whining, you ever heard somebody whine in church? And then they whine to Sister Fluffy Head, and then she whines to Brother Bubba Joe. And then the next thing you know, the whole crew is whining and whining. You ever notice, Brother Marvin, as a pastor, how fast that stuff can spread? And this is what happened with Caleb. 
And Caleb just opened up the Baptist hymn and he opened it up and he stopped right here. He said, boy, this one will do. I want everybody to sing this hymn with me. And he looked at it in the midst of their whining and their ungodliness and doubting God and complaining and moaning and groaning. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strange. Lead them in the light of his glory and grace. He's still on his throne, folks. I don't care what's going on around you in your neighborhood, in the church, in the world, and politicians at the White House. We come to the church house to get a gaze on Jesus, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He's still in control. He's still on his throne. And he still answers prayers. We can trust him. We can by faith walk with him. I man, we're standing on the promises of God back home at the church. We've been praying two scriptures over and over again. Do not grow weary in well-doing. If you faint not, you'll reap a harvest. Keep on plowing. Keep on planting. Keep on singing. Keep on praising God. Keep on witnessing. I mean, come together and get a group that wants to pray and grab the holes, horns of the altar and believe God and trust God. Get your eyes off of folks that don't want to move and get your ones on the ones that want to move and pray and witness and serve and go with what you got, where you're at, with what you have and trust God to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ever ask or think according to the power of your Holy Spirit. Do not grow weary and well-doing. If you faint not, you'll reap a harvest. And here's the other one. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore to the Lord of harvest that he would raise up laborers. Pray for God to fill the church with people who are hungry and thirsty for God's word and want to labor for the glory of God and pray and pray and pray and pray. And believe God what you're praying for and then sit back and watch him move. Caleb was spared from discouragement. Caleb was spared from disbelief. Moses writes in Numbers chapter 13 verse 30 about Caleb. Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, We should by all means go up and take possession of it. For we shall surely overcome it. Caleb stood on the promises of God and he laughed at impossibilities. Guess what? If you don't believe God could send revival, you'll never have it. If you don't believe God can raise up laborers in this church, you'll never get them. If you don't believe God can supply all your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus, you'll probably never experience it. Folks, I want to tell you, we're like a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways, James said, if we don't believe what we're praying for. You've been praying for revival? You fully surrendered and committed to God? And if you're not, just ask God to forgive you. God, I've not been committed. I'm in a backslidden condition. I've been dwelling in depression and discouragement, God. Fill me with the joy and the hope and the peace that only you can give me. 
You know, there's some things God can do only between you and him, but you've got to get on your knees and get real with God if you want personal revival. Lord, here's where I'm at. But I want to be fully surrendered and committed to God. I've slacked. I've backslidden. I'm in a bad way right now. Caleb was spared from discouragement. He was spared from disbelief because he trusted God. He kept his eyes on God and not the people, and he believed God. What a great recipe for revival. Caleb was spared from death, according to the word of God. In verse 10, it says, The Lord let me live just as he spoke. I'm 85 years old. Remember Numbers 14, 29. Your dead bodies will fall in the wilderness. All numbered men from 20 years old and upward who have grumbled against me. You ever read that verse, who have grumbled against me? Folks, you know God don't like that when we grumble against God and his kingdom word. What he's trying to do. Bill Stafford used to say all the time, God don't want whiners, he wants shiners. I'm not talking about shiners you soccer lay fishermen are thinking about over here at Bethany. Shining for the glory of God. Quit complaining and quit trust and start trusting. Surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. Caleb was spared from death because he trusted God. He believed God and Joshua alongside with Caleb. They died obeying God and they were fully surrendered to God till the day they died. I'm going to ask you again, do you want to be fully surrendered to God when Christ returns? If you live another five years, another five seconds, or another 50 years, if you're young here, how are you going to be 20 years from now? Are you still going to be fully committed to God? Listen to me, young people who are here. You know it's said that 90-something percent of kids that were raised in church on a consistent basis, 90-something percent quit going to church when they graduate. You've got to ask yourself this question. Listen to me carefully. If you can just walk out of this church after you graduate and not serve God for 30 or 40 years, then what happened when you said you got saved? Was that real? We don't address these type of issues. We don't want to talk about it. But we must talk about it because a soul is precious to God. And it's so, so important to know that you know that you know you've been truly saved by the grace of God. And if you know that you're saved and you've nailed that down, then you need to be fully surrendered and committed to God. Folks, that's where the joy and the peace comes from, serving God. I tell my members all the time, I said, man, like preaching this revival and talking to you guys after and eating with some of you. I told Brother Bob just this week, I told Brother Bob, I said, man, the older I get in my walk with Christ, the more precious fellowship with other believers comes to me. There's people out there who can't give us no advice. They can't do nothing for us spiritually. But you know what Caleb did? He was fully surrendered and committed to God. And him and Joshua believed the promises of God and were fully committed until the day they died. Isn't that how you want to finish? You know, Paul, at the end of his death in 2 Timothy 4.2, what he tells Timothy as a young pastor, preach the word, Timothy, be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Paul's getting to the end of his life, and he's exhorting the younger generation, hey, preach the word, brother. Stick to the stuff. 2 Timothy chapter 4, uh, verse not 2, but 6 and 8, he says, I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And he says, the time of my departure is at hand. And you remember what he said? I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. 
And finally, 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 there is a crown of righteousness awaiting me in glory. And not for me only, but for all who love his appearing. Isn't this how you want to finish your walk with God? Like the Apostle Paul? Folks, this is a good fight. When I was lost, I used to fight a lot, but that was wicked. That was ungodly. This is a good fight. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God, serving the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's washed you by his blood. He saved you by his grace. Your name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. Don't you want to finish well for the glory of God? Don't Jesus, the Son of the living God, deserve our very, very best as his children? Are we giving him the leftovers? Are we fully surrendered and committed? To his lordship. He was spared from even death. Because God blessed him. Because of his obedience. Caleb knew a strong life. Number one a strength that persevered. He said in 1411. I'm still strong today. As I was. And the day Moses sent me. In verse 10 says. He's 85 years old. Folks, I got a sneaky suspicion Caleb didn't quit every time there was opposition. It's all throughout the scriptures. He didn't quit every time somebody hurt his little old feelings. You know, it's well been said by one evangelist. He said, Baptist got the thinnest skin of anybody I ever met in my life. Well, nobody came visit me and I had a cold and so I'll quit coming to church. Folks, where do we find that in the scriptures? I was at church and nobody shook my hand and walk out the church and never show up for 30 years. Because somebody didn't shake your hand, really? A bunch of people didn't shake my hand when I left this morning, but I came back tonight. Caleb was so committed to God when people got to whining and complaining and not believing God, he poured his life into the kingdom work of God the Father, and God continued to use him all the way up to 85 years old, folks. He didn't quit when things got rough. He dug in and hunkered down and put all of his faith and trust in God Almighty, and God kept on using him. Brother Malcolm Ellis was preaching a revival one time and he said these words, the easiest thing in the world to do is to quit. But I want to tell you folks, this gospel being preached in America, the easiest thing to do is just pray to receive you. It's so easy. Life's going to be so much better. Well, it is good to know that you've been redeemed and you've been saved by the grace of God. But Jesus didn't say it's going to get easier when you get saved. He said it's going to get harder. You ever read that part of the scriptures in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 and 22? Jesus said from his own lips, enter by the narrow gate, because wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate. And listen to what Jesus said. Difficult is the way that leads to life. And there are few who find it. Folks, there ain't nothing easy about being a Christian. Jesus himself said it's difficult. Why? Because Satan is going to attack you every day you try to live the Christian life and attack you and attack you and attack you. People who 
do not believe the gospel, that are hostile towards the gospel, are going to hate you. They're going to persecute you. But I want to tell you like Caleb, and we sang it, there is a fountain filled with blood that flows from Emmanuel's veins, and every sinner beneath that blood lose all their guilty stain. Trust and obey, for there's no other way than to be happy in Jesus is to trust and obey. Paul said, yet in all these things we are much more than conquerors through him who loved us. I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, my great God and Savior. Who shall separate me from the love of God? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword, nothing can separate me from the love of God that comes from the throne of God. My great God and Savior keeps me saved in the palm of his hand. Caleb was fully surrendered and trusted God, and God all the way up to he was 85 years old, kept him near his heart and gave him the strength to say, I'm just as strong today as I was when I was a young man. And by the grace and glory of God, you give me this mountain God promised to me, and I'll go in there, and I'll whip every giant in the name of God Almighty, the God of Israel. I want to tell you, folks, that's a man who was fully surrendered and kept his eyes on God and not people. People will let you down. People will mock you. People will hurt you. But God will keep on lifting you up and use you for his glory if you just stay fully surrendered. To the Lordship of Jesus. David goes down to the battlefield. His dad sends him down there with some wine and cheese to go bring it to his brothers. You go bring this to your brothers. They must be tired and thirsty and hungry. They down there fighting them Philistines. He gets down there and they hiding in the trenches. Shaking like a leaf. Well, David looks around. What y'all doing? What? Who? Who's that big giant out there mocking y'all and taunting y'all? I love what it says in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 26. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God? The battle's out there. It ain't over there in the trenches. What y'all doing? Oh, man, you don't see that big giant out there? He's too big to hit. He said he's too big to miss. Let me at him. He gets out there, boy, and he looks at them rocks, and he looks at that thing, and he looks towards heaven. He says, you come at me with a sword and shield. I come to you in the name of the Lord God of Israel. Your day is done. Your goose is cooked. And I'm about to hit you with this rock. And you know what this rock is called? It's called the rock of ages. Jesus fixing to fly through the air and smack you right between your eyes and you're going to die and then I'm going to cut your head off, sucker. And I want to tell you, he got to whipping that thing and let that thing go. And I want to tell you, when that dude fell down, I'm telling you, he was a big old boy. You probably could have heard a three, a three a tremor go down, boy. I'm telling you, he hit that ground and when the dust settled, all them jokers put their tail between their legs and took off running. I'm telling you, if the church ever gets on fire and filled with the Holy Ghost, we'll be running the devil all the way back to hell. People will be wondering and lost out there in the world what they're doing up there at the White House and wanting to get into the church house to see what God's doing. 
When we become fully surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus like Caleb. It's not how we drive, folks. It's how we arrive. Caleb knew a satisfied life. He enjoyed the satisfaction of spiritual prosperity. The Bible says in verse 13, Joshua blessed Caleb and gave him Hebron for an inheritance. Caleb didn't ask for anything more than what God had promised him. He was satisfied with what God gave him and didn't ask for nothing else. And he took it and died satisfied knowing that God has used him on the face of this earth. Are you going to be satisfied when you die? God gave you promises. You stood on them. He gave you commandments. You obeyed them. You stayed fully surrendered and committed to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. If you live to be 85 or 90 or 100, you can look back at your life like Caleb and says, I was fully surrendered and committed to Jesus. And people around you, when you lay in that casket, can say, that brother, that sister ain't lying. They were a precious saint of God, man. On the front line till the day they died, still serving Jesus. I'm an eyewitness and a testimony to their testimony. And then God looks through what she thought of herself or he thought of herself and what you thought of and what I thought of. And people walk down there and look at that casket and God says, yep. And I agree with all of you because I'm the one that was doing the work in them. And I know for a fact they was committed to me. And you've got that testimony from yourself, from people around you. Folks, I've seen people lay in a casket and people walk by and said, oh, they at peace with God now. They were such a good person. And you know what I saw? People didn't know how to treat their wives, drunkards, drug addicts, nasty, ugly, mean, and people walking by and saying, they were such a good person. Folks, we can walk by a casket and say whatever we want about somebody laying in that casket. The only thing that really matters is what God thought of that person. Were they born again? Were they saved? Were they a new creature in Christ? See, folks, we all going to die one day. I want it to be said of me that I was faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't want to have a bad assessment of myself. I want somebody else to be able to say, that brother was committed to God. I ain't going to lie to that. He couldn't sing. He tried singing when he was preaching. But, you know, hey, now he's in heaven. He's going to have the voice of an, an angel. And some Baptists will probably get up there and say, you in heaven and you still can't sing. But when it all boils down to it, God knows where we at. Can God look down upon your life right now and say, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we want to finish well. We want to finish strong. We can't do it in our own strength, but you can do it through us, Lord. <clears throat> Lord, give us a desire to follow you faithfully, fully surrendered to you, Lord God, committed to you all the days of our life. Lord, whether it's one more day or 10 days or 10 years or 30 years, Lord, we want to be found serving you, praising you, worshiping you, adoring you. Lord, if there be any here tonight that are backslidden, if got their eyes off of you and got them on people, I pray tonight would be a night where you revive their hearts, Lord, like Caleb. When the people try to make the hearts of people fear 
and fail around us. And Lord God, we'd be men and women of God who stand up and said, Did not God give us promises? Is not the Holy Spirit of God still available? Is not the name of Jesus still worthy and honorable to stand up and to be persecuted and suffer for and even go out into a hostile world and preach the gospel to a lost and dying world? And Lord, we know that you are worthy. You have exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Lord, may we leave here tonight revived, refreshed, and renewed. Fully surrendered to you, Lord. If there be any here tonight that are lost and without Christ, that tonight would be the night that they repent of their sins and lay their lives down for you. I pray for Brother Marvin, Lord. I pray for Diane. I pray for this precious flock that you allow us to come together with and worship and preach the word of God. Light every heart on fire for Jesus, Lord. Lord, rekindle the fire that once burned so brightly and revive us and refresh us in the presence of yourself, dear God. And we'll give you the honor, the glory, and the praise for all that you do. In the name of Jesus, our great God and Savior, we pray. Amen. Your pastor's going to be up here if you need prayer, if you need encouragement. But more importantly, God's here tonight. These altars are open tonight. Maybe God's speaking to your heart. You've not been fully committed and surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus. You know you're saved. You know you're on your way to heaven. But you really have not been fully surrendered and committed to God. I wonder tonight, maybe you need one of these passages to grab, say, Brother Marvin. Brother Nate, Brother Sam, I want you to pray for me. I've lost my first love. I'm, I feel like I'm depressed and discouraged in a backslidden condition. I want you to pray for God to revive me tonight. Folks, I want to tell you, there's something sweet about being honest in the presence of God and somebody else grabbing hands with you and praying for God to revive you. Look, I've been there. I've had men of God, my mentors and pastor friends praying for me. You ask Brother Marvin how many times I called him discouraged. Said, Brother Marvin, I need to pray. I need you to pray for me. And I want to tell you, your pastor's faithful. He's faithful to God. He's fully surrendered. I can say it about him. And I want to tell you, he'll pray for me. He'll encourage me. And then there's times when he called me. Well, you remember what you told me, huh, Brother? Now it's your turn. Let me pray for you. And praying for one another and getting out of them ruts and that discouragement by encouraging one another and praying for each other. Folks, even as pastors, we fall short. We get depressed. We make mistakes. And I'm asking you tonight, if you feel like you're not fully surrendered right now, come grab hands with one of these ministers and say, look, I want to be more committed to the Lordship of Jesus. Pray for me. And if you're here tonight and you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, hey, I want to tell you how much God loves you. He loved you so much that he was willing to go to that old rugged cross and die and shed his blood so that you could be saved by the grace of God. He died for your sins, not his sins, the just for the unjust, that he could bring you to God the Father and restore that relationship. And if you'll admit you're a sinner tonight, turn from your sins and lay your life down for Christ and call upon his precious and holy name, the Bible says, whosoever calls on the name of Jesus shall be saved. And if you're not saved when the trumpet sounds in this world ends, you're going to spend eternity in hell, separated from Jesus forever. And you'll never get another chance to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. So I beg of you, I plead with you, 
If you're saved and God's spoken to your heart, you come forward and obey God. If you're not saved and you know you need to be saved, you come to one of these men of God and they'll share the gospel with you. Brother Marvin, you go ahead and take over.